0: I am Jackson Davies, Constable Constable from the Beachcombers, and you are listening to The Geo Show. 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 The Geo Show.
1: The Geo Show. The Geo Show. Hello and welcome to The Geo Show. I am your host and master of ceremonies, GOP. As always, we have a very special guest joining us on the show today. Now, if you probably watch the CBC, you might recognize this guy um, through many of the various projects he d- he's done, but uh, I personally know him best as the role of Constable John Constable uh, from the hit tele- Canadian television series, The Beachcombers, probably one of the most iconic Canadian television series ever made. And he is, of course, the amazing Jackson Davies... Joining me today via Zoom, Jackson. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Things I'm. I'm I live in the West Coast, so uh, it was a great,
0: uh, great day. Went out and hit some golf balls this morning. You gotta love it. It's, uh, it's good. It's all good. I've uh, got you know got the shot. I'm being safe. I'm being careful, and I've got two uh, uh, new grandsons, brand new uh, grandsons. So. Uh, Identical twins, I was going to name them 22 and 33 after the Sedins, but my daughter wouldn't let me so. Uh,
1: but yeah, no, my life, uh, my life is good. And uh, I, I am happy to hear about the the good weather happening there. I'm looking outside my window here in Ottawa right now and we've just been uh, struck with uh, rain upon rain the past few days so good to see her it's it's sunny somewhere in Canada.
0: Yeah. But, but on the other hand, your hockey team is, is, is doing a lot better than ours now. Yeah, definitely. There you go. They're on a run. I guess
1: we have our pluses and minuses going Yeah.
0: On. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's just a pleasure to have you on. Um, for, for those who are not familiar with your work, you are an iconic Canadian actor. You've been in so many productions. You're, you're, you mentioned you were head of an um the, the actors union. union? Yes, yeah, the yes. Actors
0: union. Yeah, yeah. No, I've always been as an actor. I've always been quite involved in things and uh, either fundraising. Or, uh, a member, of the vice president of uh, UBCP Actra, which is our our version of uh, Actra, which is the actors union. So I'm very involved in that as far as not only in you know, trying to reassure government that it's a good thing to invest in Canadian television and Canadian film, but also we have a, a, a thing out here where we uh, we have a subsidized housing for, uh, for uh, actors who are of a certain age, who aren't getting the residual checks anymore.
1: How exactly do you, how did you initially get into acting? What was, did you have a, a time where you decided I wanted to be an actor or was there anything that came before that?
0: You know, it's an interesting question.
1: I I acted when I was in
0: junior high and high school, and and uh, I it was it was a good class. I had fun doing it. I got you know, I get some sort of reaction from the from the students. But I I the first professional stage show I ever saw I was in. So I I came. I grew up in a small town called in Alberta, and there there wasn't a huge theater uh, community there, but there was a great a great high school teacher and i went to a couple summer drama schools and was lucky enough to be hired Right out. Actually, I didn't even finish high school. I went back to write my finals, but I left high school about two months early to join a, a children's theater company, and we would go around uh, Al- Alberta and do shows. And then I started working in the main stage theaters as as an actor did in the in the late '60s, uh, early '70s in Canada. We'd work all the regional theaters in Canada. and I've worked from from Halifax to Victoria and, and different theaters, and and that's basically how I got started in the theater side of it. When I started, there really wasn't a, 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 an industry in Canada, a TV industry in Canada. Um, so I, you'd uh, either be in Toronto or, or Vancouver, and uh, Toronto I had at that time, it still does have a majority of the Canadian shows, uh, but uh, I was out in Vancouver and uh, got lucky enough to get a part in the Beachcombers, and only because not my my superb acting ability but it was because i was a 42 tall and the only police uniform they had was 42 tall and they cost like about 1500 dollars to make a new one so guess what i got the part because i really i really fit the part only because i fit the uniform
1: wow they well they say if the shoe fits wear it and i guess that's, that's a... really, <laughs> yeah so what was it like jumping into the beach beachcombers uh,
0: well you know it was a very quirky thing i was a, a Again, traveling all over Alberta, I remember Bruno Gerussi, who was the star. Uh, originally, actually mm-hmm. born in in Medicine Hat, Alberta, but grew up in Vancouver. Then made his name at Stratford in 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 Ontario. And he's being interviewed on CBC, and we're driving this group of actors across northern Alberta. And he's saying about this new TV show he's going to do, and it's about this Indigenous kid and uh, and this uh, great guy. And they go out in a boat and pick up logs for a living. And I remember I remember turning to the rest of the people in the van and saying. Are you kidding me? This is the TV show of all times. This, is, this thing is not going to last a week. And I think the next year after that, I actually auditioned for it and because I fit the uniform. And there I was a couple of years later in the show thinking that it would only I mean, my my the first time I was hired. Honestly, I was hired because I had not only fit the uniform, but I had a driver's license so I could drive the cop car out of the shot. I had like one line. I was just I didn't even have a name in the script. It said, you know, cop number two. So one, one lesson you should know as an actor is if it's, if you don't have a name in the script, give yourself a name because that looks a lot better on your resume. And then I kind of went from that, did a couple of shows that first year and then ended up probably four or five years later being one of the lead actors and being in all the shows. It's a, it's a Canadian dream, huh?
1: Oh, Definitely. And to kind of jump into the show for for I guess you've deci- you uh, you described it perfectly, I it is basically uh, a Greek guy and an indigenous guy uh, going to get boats and then this other scruffy Canadian guy kind of uh, bullies them out of their jobs. But um it's the show itself was and you were since you appeared in that in as that in that small role you were one of the actors, uh, one of the few who actually appeared throughout the rest of the entire 19 seasons of the show and um around 300 plus episodes probably it's 360, 365 i think wow yes and that's that's i think it was one of the longest i believe uh drama series uh canadian drama series and i think heartland beat it out if i'm not uh, mistaken well
0: n- n- actually no we went 19 years so heartland hasn't gone 19 years uh yet mm-hmm. uh it's a good show but uh it i don't think uh and degrassi did uh, did a kind of a maybe a but they went for two or three different versions of degrassi right mm-hmm. I, I mean if yeah i mean we uh we also came later on and did a couple of movies and things like that but yeah we were the longest running uh drama and to use the term drama on the beachcombers, it was they, we were so hard to define because yeah. it was it was like one show, you know, a, a kid would be lost and we thought that they, they were dead. Another show, we were trying to uh, have a pie fight. It was the yeah. more most eclectic type. You have no idea what the show was going to be until you tuned in Sunday night, and uh, and people did tune in. It was I was trying to explain because the fiftieth anniversary is next uh, next year, twenty twenty two, and it's so hard to explain you know the popularity of that show it was crazy characters people could kind of relate to small town Canada and we played Canada for Canada right I mean we played Gibson's for Gibson's BC we showed Canadian money I mean god love my I love all the Canadian shows now even the ones that are so totally Canadian but you never see them see any Canadian money Mm -hmm. turn up in it they maybe talk about uh, something but we we embraced the fact that we were small town Canada and that's why we were so successful. I mean, we were successful in the major cent- centers, but outside the centers, outside the major centers, I was looking at the, the numbers the other day in the 70s. And we battled hockey night in Canada mm-hmm. every week for the top ratings of television, all television, right? You know, pushing, pushing you know 3.8 million people. 3.8 million people that time think Canada had like 27 million or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or 25 or 22. But the interesting part is something like Schitt's Creek, which is a show that I absolutely loved, and was a wonderful success. The only time that show broke a million was its last episode in on on, CT, on CBC. So, I mean, it's interesting to say that, that, you know, these shows are so popular, but at that particular time in for a long time, there were absolutely millions and millions of people every week would tune in Sunday night after Disney, which was a great thing to do too. So it was kind of eclectic show. You didn't know what was going to happen. The the hardest thing was I remember trying to explain it to a Hollywood guy one time. I was down in Hollywood he said you were in that 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 Beachcomber show he said. Uh, he said well, what was what was that thing about uh, and i said well i was about a you know a, a greek fella and an indigenous kid and they went out on their boat and picked up stray logs and he went how long did that run like? i said 19 years and he went let me know how did that work again and he they could not figure out except of course when they saw an episode of it mm-hmm. and even the opening titles and, and and i remember one guy saying you know it was a great title you'd see the boat heading out the persephone and then the jet boat." And, in the, in the in the islands and the in the trees on the island in the snow capped mountains in the background and the water and, and i remember the guy said so how do you guys do that and i went no no that's not a that's not a fake that's that's where we're shooting that's that's that part of that's our part of canada and he went oh well, it looks pretty good doesn't it they had never done it. hollywood had never really done a lot of and actually either anyone until we started shooting on, you know, location on the water, which is one of the toughest things to do. And we had probably the best backdrop set in, in the world, right?
1: Picture perfect.
0: Yeah, so that uh, that that kind of worked. It was, uh, it, uh, it it worked quite well for us all. It was fun. It was a great Fantastic. 19 years.
1: And, and what was it like? Do you have any favorite memories of working on the show? Any episodes that you really enjoyed uh, that still stick in your mind today?
0: Well, I think it has a lot to do with the cast and a lot to being Canadian. Uh, And again, Mm -hmm. I've worked on hundreds and hundreds of different shows, and and now mostly American, almost all American. Mm -hmm. But there was a sort of naivete with that show. We were just making it up as we go. There was no, right now, there's probably 25 or 26 different film crews in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. At that time, there was one, and it was us right so we learned on the road we learned how to do these things and and you know we didn't have long hours we were you know we didn't have to worry about you know people from you know the head office giving us we just went out and did our job and just had a great time very family we'd all head out on the boat together they all put us up uh, for the summer for the 6 months in gibson's which is still one of the most beautiful places in the world if anyone ever gets a chance you got to come to gibson's because you take that ferry and it's still on the mainland, but you have to take a ferry to get there. And and I never ever, I, I would never cease to um, to amaze me. And I'd never take it for granted the beauty of taking that ferry to Langdale from and it's like a 40-minute ferry trip, it's not big, but it's it is absolutely beautiful. And you get this quirky little town. And honest to God, Gibson's right now, oh, just about 50 years after it started. <laughs> Actually, I like 50 years because he started filming in the, the summer of 71. There are, most of that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. You can walk down the street, Molly's Reach is there, the government wharf is there, the steps you take down to where, where the Persephone was and relics, it is still there. And you and it's pe- people walk there, people from all around the world, which is kind of cool. Remember one time just Googling Molly's Reach on, uh, on either a Facebook or uh, uh, Instagram or any other, and you get people sharing their pictures and these people from all around the world because we we played in just about 60 different countries. Mm -hmm. And we didn't play for like two weeks in 60 different countries because we had all those episodes. I mean, we have got huge fans in Australia and Germany because we played in 1996 in Germany. We went off the air in Canada in 1990. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole generation of kids who would come home, watch this crazy show from Canada about these quirky characters, and they, they anytime they would travel and uh, they would uh, they would end up in Molly's reach and take a picture. And and uh, and there's all sorts of little Facebook and social media sites for beachcombers all around the world. In oh, yeah. Languages, which is cool.
1: It's my dream uh, once I'm, I'm going to date this, but we're technically in pandemic now. But it's my dream to take a pilgrimage down there uh, once once everything kind of clears up. I've, it's been I've made, I've made the uh, pilgrimage to Halifax in the name of, uh, uh, this hour is 22 minutes and, uh, Theodore Tugboat. So I'm one day I dream to make it down there. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been on the bucket list for quite a while, but yeah.
0: Well, it's a, it's a great trip and let's hope And uh, I think we're going to start the celebrations, uh, in the, in the fall, maybe September of 2022 and they'll mm-hmm. go into 2023. So boy, let's hope if we're not, uh together by that time but i think that's going to be great we'll probably do a whole season of stuff and uh, have reunions and uh and there's some really fun things that's going to happen in gibson's and the great thing is you know molly's reach is still there yep you know it's a real
1: restaurant now yeah
0: yeah yeah that's uh that's fine because people got so it was so difficult uh when we were filming because people thought it would be we people walk in while we were filming thinking we could (laughs) order something right
1: yeah it was fun that's crazy and um now the tv you mentioned went on for 19 seasons and i believe it was the anniversary or i believe in 2019 it was the i think 30th anniversary of uh filming ending on the show uh the last episode was filmed i believe that one was called um sunset sunset yes i was, I was going to say partners that's the first one i almost said that yeah well, close just just around 100 uh 360 episodes off yeah but... yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that was in, yeah it was 1990 yeah uh, yeah uh, that the last one where we did a one hour special and it uh and it's strange you know and that episode has only been aired once that really particular night yeah go figure it and uh and then we did a an anniversary a couple of times where we uh 2002 and 2004 where i produced uh, uh a couple of movies of the week mm-hmm. where we uh, we revisited molly's reach with some of the original characters obviously some uh, uh have passed away uh, mm-hmm. uh a lot of the talent has passed away but it was uh that was fun too to revisit that how you uh, you know you can go home again uh but yeah yeah that uh that uh that was uh, that was an interesting show the one in 1990 the writer is a Friend of mine, Mark uh, Mark Strange, who actually co-created the series with his wife, uh, mm-hmm. Lynn Susan Strange, fabulous writers, and uh, and he wrote the last one. And uh, and he, a little tongue in cheek, he had people shooting guns at each other, and people were freaked out. And he was he did it as an interesting little statement about how television had changed
1: in mm-hmm. those
0: nineteen years, right? Now it was totally acceptable for someone to shoot a gun and there to be violence on television, where when we started. Uh, you know, uh, it uh, it it was a very kinder and gentler nation.
1: Mm-hmm. And and to talk about that, um, the 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 just the scene of the beachcombers changing. There's like obviously with 19 seasons, the show's going to develop and change uh, throughout the years. Uh, one of the big um, changes that the television series had was on its last year, um, the last season, season 19. It almost had it had kind of a huge a uh, facelift if i can describe it like that almost a complete genre changes we we kind of mentioned before like the show didn't really have a like it was it's kind of described as a drama but you know it has comedy elements there's definitely you know it, but the the last season well i I don't know if this is the last word, and excuse me if this is a bit of an offensive term, but almost an Americanization where it was almost given it was almost somebody injected a drama juice into it, and it was it wasn't the beachcombers they just changed it to beachcombers and uh that was uh even the theme song one of one of the the, the this the best parts you've kind of kind of was given this very. I'm not sure how I describe it. A very nineties. It's a very nineties intro and it's very different to kind of what the show was had up to that point. And my question is being on the show you were on, what was it like almost seeing these changes? Was it kind of like, did you almost had a, I don't Why are they doing this? Or were you kind of like, do you think that was really cool at the time or what was your thoughts on that?
0: You know, great question again. Uh, it actually started in 88, uh, they, they thought that they would, they wanted to inject, they were wondering that the numbers, the ratings were going down a bit, and I tried to explain to them that they moved us, you know, they'd move us from a Sunday, they have us on a Sunday, they'd preempt us for 26 weeks and then move us to a Tuesday. And then halfway through, then move us to a Wednesday and and I said, well, and then they'd preempt this for another twenty six weeks. I said that's probably one of the reasons the odd, there'd be no way the audience would it would increase, right? Mm-hmm. There'd be no way. So they said, well, no, we all, we're gonna we're gonna tart it up a bit. Now, uh, you know, I guess you know I, uh, it was a it was a an attempt. I don't think it worked all that well uh, because we were a little bit quirky. Now the idea was interesting. I mean, Janet Lane Green, who they brought in to run Molly's Reach, and mm-hmm. she's a not only a a great actress and she's a great friend and 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 she actually really really enjoyed doing that it was she she sensed the family feeling of the set and things but mm-hmm. yeah it got a little it got a little cute it got a little bit of uh, uh yeah i i don't think it knew what it was right mm-hmm. it 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 had stopped being that quirky kind of um uh, dysfunctional family and and it's interesting in Canadian TV is the shows that seem to be are successful are dysfunctional kind of family shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corner Gas, Corner Gas, a quirky, oh, yeah. dysfunctional oh, yeah. family. Shits Creek, the ultimate <laughs> of Definitely. dysfunctional kind of family. Kim's Convenience, all these shows. And Beachcombers was the original dysfunctional family show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the woman, a grand a, a grandmother raising two, raising her grandchildren on her own, working at the same time. They have a, a you know there's this crazy Greek who's uh, <laughs> in this this relic. But then the beautiful thing was was it, this injection of indigenous characters. Mm-hmm. Jesse in the first show partners gets a partnership with with this Greek. They get they want to work. Not he wasn't working for Nick. He was working with Nick. It was a partnership between an indigenous kid, you know, a teenager, and this crazy Greek guy, and. And all of a sudden, for the first time on certainly on Canadian television, there were Indigenous characters and not just Jesse. That is that uh, is, Charlene Alec, Chief Dan Mm -hmm. George's granddaughter, joined the show as like a five or six year old. Then later on, uh, there was three or four other Indigenous actors. And I I honestly didn't realize at the time how important that was. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know whether and I guess you feel, you know, the, the producer of it. Phil Keatley he certainly was a bright man but the idea to show this community and show these indigenous characters as equal you know and there was no there was no there was no pointing it out it was just like they were just they were accepted it was everything was we didn't make a big deal about that even though we did a number of episodes of, a large number of indigenous shows about land rights about ecology all the uh, things which were really important and way before that time yeah you know, we even did a show about a putting a uh, uh, a statue up and then we found out this person was racist
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: we tried to take that statue down That's been in the news the last couple of years. Way
1: ahead of the time.
0: We did that in we did that in the late seventies, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Really ahead of the time on these kind of quirky stories, and and Charney Alec, who is just was just just is a wonderful person and and a great social activist for uh, you know for her people and. uh, and she tells all kinds of stories about people coming up to her because that was a generation of the scoop generation in the in the in the residential school generation that was still happening in Canada in the in the 70s right and she would meet a lot of people who said you know that maybe they were we were they were put in foster care and their only saving grace was been able to on sunday night watch the beachcomber so they saw their face they didn't see their face in any other television, right? Again, we're talking right. about this now in diversity in 2020, but be you know CBC and, and Beachcombers, uh, whether it was uh, a wonderfully uh, um, forward-thinking thing or we just lucked into it, we we actually showed Canada uh, a different look on Canada, and uh, uh, at the I you know I I probably appreciate it a hell of a lot more now then then I, I didn't really get it as much at the time. But uh, I'm very, I'm, you know, we should be proud of what we do. Now, unfortunately, we were showing a Canada that maybe it wasn't happening. Maybe, you know, Indigenous people weren't being treated fairly. They probably weren't, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe the RCMP weren't as kind and, and friendly and chummy as I was to Jesse and the rest. Mm-hmm. Of, but at least we were showing that this is what we could be.
1: It's, it's, it's a wonderful series. And like, obviously it's, it's just, it was groundbreaking, you know, and uh, still even just to show the longevity of the show, like even, and the way I happen to find it is the Aboriginal, Aboriginal people's television network was actually showing um, even uh, certain episodes up until probably like 2017, 2018, which just shows like how, relevant the issues that they discussed in the television show are today which is uh fantastic and just to, just to show how great of a way it, it tackled certain issues
0: yeah and and social media i mean is uh you know we, we love it and and, and hate it but we mm-hmm. I mean, never had it, obviously uh you don't really you know you're an actor you do a show you see you know a monday morning that two million people watch your show. You go, okay, two million people watch the show. I mean, how would I know? You know maybe you get recognized in the grocery store, maybe someone waves at you. That, But until social media got its hold on shows like the Beachcombers and, and other things like that, honestly, all of a sudden we went from not t- thinking about numbers. To thinking about names and people and we can chat and I know you've 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 come onto the beachcomber site and you can see all this this is a collective group of people uh, people from bevan from new zealand who's a uh, who's indigenous new zealand and he and he watched the show when he was a kid and thinking oh my god there's indigenous people other than in new in new zealand and uh, and when and in and in germany what happens when they would show this show, and they run it every day afternoon in germany i mean uh, and they would have a host in Germany, and what she would do is she would explain what the show was about, giving a little bit of history of Canada. How cool is that? How cool is it cool. for some someone in Germany to talk about potlatches and explaining that how they were illegal for a certain amount of time, and then they show the, the episode about a potlatch. Oh. It was. It was, and again, I didn't realize all these things until social media. Uh, during the Olympics, in turn, Italy uh, BC had a, a pavilion there. Tourism BC had its pavilion, and they would show all great things. And I got, I got emailed from them, and they are saying, "You got to help us out. Every day, people come in talking about beachcombers. They want to know about gifts." I said, "Well, you realize that that well, in Italy and, and and Germany, all the a lot of the, the tourists who are going to come and see the BC place, the most recognizable building in in." Canada probably for someone from Germany, Molly's Reach, Montreal's Reach. Yeah. So I mean, and it's a real place, right? It's not a studio. Mm-hmm. It's not you know. Unfortunately, like Corner Gas they tore that place down, but it's still there. And uh, and there's actually I'm I'm working on a number of things for the 50s, and one of them will be a lot about film tourism or screen tourism, which we haven't really done as as well as we should have. But we've got uh, we've got a built-in audience. We've got a lot of emotional equity as the, as a business class I used to take, uh, uh, tells us. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, that part is exciting. And again, until, until the social media thing came, I, I knew nothing about that. And you, you get surprised You get Ryan Reynolds, all of a sudden mm-hmm. get hit by a photographer and him, CBC saying, well, will you do an interview? He said, no, I won't do an interview until you put the beach covers back. On oh there. yes. yes so, I love that. so, and, and you get, you know, you get, uh, you you get things. I I wrote a co-wrote a book with Mark a couple of ten years ago about the fortieth oh, yeah. anniversary, and it, and it was so much fun to research that book and Conan O'Brien and things like that. He 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 had, he was in Vancouver or something, and he saw an episode of The Beachcombers and said, "This is the most bizarre thing." I got so they actually rented a boat. He and his buddy, and uh, and went over to Gibson's and knocked on doors trying to find where Jesse lived for The Beachcombers. So it's uh, it's uh, we've got this kind of. Quirky little uh, uh, connection to uh, to millions of people, and whether it's it's music and, and bands, Bruno Giussi's medallion. Or, yeah, uh, there's a group out of Chilliwack, a great group called uh, Relics Jet Boat, or or the yeah. So it's uh, because of that generation, and because of uh, not being on just a couple of years. And sure, we'd lose that. You know, the kids would watch it, and then they'd get a little tired of it. The, then maybe you know the, the grandparents would kind of love it, and then it kind of shifts. And now it's now it's those kids now that are the most active people on the on social media who watched the show when they were kids and they want to kind of share that. And maybe it's helped a bit that that you can't get at us, right? You can you can probably track down some of the shows from 85, but mm-hmm. the ones before you can't because the CBC just didn't put them on after that. So now they're there. They're in a basement in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But uh but the idea is that there's a bit of a uh, you know, there's uh, urban myths about the show that I have to. Always, but oh, it's been destroyed or whatever. No, no, it's mm-hmm. still there, still digitized. I've seen them all. They actually walked me through one time when. Uh, and I know you're you 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 become interested in the history of Canadian television, and oh, it yeah. is it is so exciting. I, I, you know, I'm from a generation when I remember when I got the TV, right? And, and there were these incredible shows called The Pluff Family uh, out of Montreal and all these great Canadian shows uh, from, well, from like 1952 to probably 1992. So you got 50 years of incredible Canadian content sitting in the basement in Toronto. And we're talking thousands of hours oh, yeah. of, the really, of the history of Canadian television and unfortunately it still sits there and that's one of my battles I fought over the years to try but certainly in this new world of streaming and gym. I don't know if you're familiar with Britbox and that's BBC oh yes and, oh yes. and ITV they got together and they said you know what we've got a lot of inventory here let's put this together in Britbox and sell it to the world and uh and they did and it's extremely successful and and um, you know CBC has got a lot to be proud of in that uh in those rooms, and uh, that uh, we we need to get a take a uh, need, need to get a look at.
1: Definitely, and I, I agree one hundred percent. I, I definitely want to jump back onto those missing shows later because I I have I have a huge I have a huge I have a bit of a rant I'm going to be honest that has been sitting on my chest about that for a while. But I want to particularly ask you met you you mentioned this a bit before, but it was about uh, you basically did uh, two Beachcombers spinoffs uh, around the year 2000s, I guess as a kind of way to soft resurrect the show, and those were the new Beachcombers and uh and uh, the new Beachcomber's Christmas, which were two kind of, uh, like you mentioned, movie of the week's kind of, uh, direct to TV specials that were kind of, uh, resurrected, um, the Beachcomber series, the location. And, um, those were those ran on the cbc and they're actually uh, available to legally stream on youtube from the encore plus channel and you should go check them out right after this because they're they're a uh, pretty good movies you know like leave left me with a smile on my face um for you what was it like uh starting uh uh getting on these projects and what was it like almost as uh, i guess even looking back now uh, in a comparison to the beachcombers world what was it like for you
0: well, you know what was interesting at uh, uh, Nick Orchard, who was one of the uh, line producers on the shows, we were sitting around and we're thinking, God, man, CBC, it's going to it's going to be like an anniversary of the Beachcombers coming up, and and for a joke, I said, well, we need to do the, a new Beachcombers, and I went, okay, the new Beachcombers with Dave Thomas as Molly. Now, for your people out there who don't remember Dave Thomas from the McKenzie Brothers, I mean,
1: you the know, CTV. iconic,
0: yeah, CTV, and I know Dave and and Rick very, very well, we all started together you know, in the 70s. And so I, I said to uh, to Dave, would you come up and do the?" So we went to CBC, it's kind of an interesting thing. We went to pitch a series to CBC, the New Beachcomber series. So uh, uh, a fellow by the name of Slotko Kimku, which is a great name, right? He was the head mm-hmm. of CBC at the time. So we got in a room and I said, okay, here's a pitch. The New Beachcombers, at, and Dave Thomas is Molly. And he looked at me and he went, well, not a series, maybe a movie, okay, that's fine. And then he walked out and I, and I went, what? So I thought, I better shut up now because we've got a, at least a movie of the week. And we thought we could kind of channel into it. But um, yeah, and it's a little more difficult to do uh, to do a kind of a movie. And we did another one later on. And uh, again, we wanted to kind of... Uh, we wanted to see what this little town was or what Canada had changed in that time. And as it, the first episode starts, the Molly's Reach is getting just about being bulldozed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what happens is, is if can people live in the past, right? And then we did a great, oh, we're kind of a clever thing where we shot went, went back to a show and we got one of the, uh, Cameron Bancroft, wonderful actor, who was a kid on our show. And then we brought him back as one of the leads as well. So it, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty clever. I, uh, uh, I enjoyed doing it. Uh, I, I got a chance to work again with Dave Thomas and green green, um, uh, and a lot of other actors who, uh, I, cause I, I was producer as well and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, worked on the stories editing as well, but it, uh, I enjoyed it. And, uh, um, um, we had a couple of other episodes that we could have gone to. We wanted to, uh, to do one another one but uh they changed uh, head offices and we did they were very well received uh got great uh you know great ratings for them now do i look back it's people always say well you know could you could you reboot the show and uh what's it called the karate show from karate kid
1: uh cobra kai yeah yeah
0: so i said i said well you know we already did that right yeah. we already did that yeah. uh, i didn't yeah there, there there may be another way to look at it but what I mean, my, well, how I'm looking upon it right now, and I'm I'm very lucky that I have, over the years, I've I've gotten some of the the shows from the, from the past, and and and, uh, it's funny you know because I was uh, digitizing them right from VHS, mm-hmm. you yes, know, recorder beta right, you know stuff that you record it with, kind of terrible quality but whatever, but it's so fun to have them as I'm digitizing them in my office, and all of a sudden I, I'm trying to work and I put the first one and then I start listening to it and I start going back and I go. Wow, it was kind of cool. It was, and you, and, and I hope you get a chance to, to see some of the earlier shows and you've seen that one, Invisible Relic, which, was, mm-hmm. which is CBC, the last anniversary, they had a contest. They had a contest to see what show would you like to see again? And I don't think they really were wild about the Beachcombers winning, but it beat out everyone else. Mm-hmm. We had more votes than all the rest combined, right? So they were, okay, I guess we got to put one on. But it's, uh, and it did, and it did extremely well um yeah i mean there are uh there's a website in ontario i can't remember what it is it may be a little bit right-wing uh, uh ontario pride or something and and they show just the opening uh, credits of the beachcombers and they said, oh do you remember this right well it had a million seven views and i'm going and you know that's that's interesting you know some of the shows even on the youtubes and the, the youtube channel or, or the, the 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 later stuff and it's uh, not the best of quality and whatever, and uh, they still get good numbers. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it, it is interesting, but to go back to, to your original question, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed doing that. That was kind of fun to do, but uh, I now I like to kind of focus a little bit on, on the series itself and how it changed and how Canada changed over the last 19 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's not very many other shows you get to watch in front of your eyes, seeing what people are wearing, what people are talking about, what that story is about, and we've gone through all those things. Like I, you know, mentioned, uh, you know, land claims, all those things. Uh, even there was a pipeline going to the coast. All, mm-hmm. all the Canadian, and you oh God, there is a couple. There's probably a couple that I would cringe about putting on, right? You know, uh, there was one just a spectacular show uh, about Rennie Levesque, coming out to Gibson's and having a holiday. When, <laughs> no, 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 I know. No, yeah, René Levesque. So I mean it was the uh, like, you know, Quebec and it was really very interesting about and the relic, they needed someone to to look like Rene Levesque. So Robert Clother who played Relic actually, when you put a cigarette and did the hair and stuff, it looked a lot like Rene Levesque. And and they had they were they were worried about people going to assassinate him and oh it was it was very strange and uh it yeah it some of the subject matters you know you kind of go well that's a little iffy uh but you have to remember it was you know 50 years ago different time um, yeah maybe you put a little disclaimer in front or maybe you talk about it right maybe you talk about it that may be i think that's why it's easy to just kind of wipe these things away and honestly we're talking maybe two shows out of 365 Mm -hmm. so we're not we weren't politically you know uh politically incorrect uh the first you know there's a show i was watching the other day and it even got me where it was about the ferry systems in bc right mm-hmm. but uh it was about nick having his own ferry and there was an argument or something and someone said well you better go talk to the judge back there i mean uh you know a lot of power in that car and i walked back expecting to see a male judge it was a woman judge i went oh how cool how cool for 1974 to say, to oh, it's a judge, oh, it's a woman judge. So, and that, that, that was cool. And uh, and and again, we were, uh, there weren't, at that time, there wasn't a lot of women directors. We had a couple near the end, but the series was co-created by a woman, mm-hmm. a story editor, story consultant for, I bet, out of the 365 shows, I bet 300 of them were the story editors were women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and writers, uh, I bet you at least, 20 20 of the shows were either written by a woman or co-written by a woman wow. and this is i mean i actually i just stumbled upon that the other day i was looking through a list of the writers because of you know getting all this stuff ready for the for the 50th i went mm-hmm. oh, i forgot about that that's incredible that for a show that was about you think about boys and uh boys and boats yeah. uh, it, it, it did have a, uh, a connection in that uh, uh, and, and we hope strong women characters and even uh, there were two margaret's the young girl in it uh, and uh, they were very conscious of making her not the typical oh gee was the girl dressed up no she mm-hmm. was out in the boats. she was getting in just as much trouble as the boys mm-hmm. uh, okay. and that was uh, that was fun and whether we, it was a conscious decision or again we got lucky who knows
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. And um, just, again, the longevity of it, which makes it just such an even more iconic and uh, influential show. But uh, my question is, is that now kind of going off after you did uh, New Beachcombers and uh, what 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 happened after that for you? What was on? Were you kind of still getting uh, recognized in public as Constable John? But what was happening after that?
0: Well, it's a certain demographic that recognizes me, right? Yeah. And I and I and listen, I love it right now because politicians in this country who I have to do a lot of lobbying now are that demographic. They watch me, so yeah, that helps. I always kept involved in the uh, in the film industry in BC. I, I I would work well for the for the seventies halfway through the seventies and the eighties I would work the beachcombers, uh, you know, during the summer months and then I would do American TV or I do theater. And I, uh, as well as I, I would write, I am a comedy writer now, so uh, um, I write TV commercials and produce great. So I, I probably through the, uh, through the late 70s and early 80s did not have a minute off. People say, well, why didn't you go down to the States when you're doing, it? I said, I didn't, I was working. I was working 13 months out of the year. And, uh, and that was fine by me, it, it, uh, it worked out well. And then, then after the series ended, I did a lot, mostly American stuff for that, you know, up until 2000. That ten years when we did the uh, uh, did, did the uh, the Beachcomber movies, and then then at that time, what I would also do is I'm I, again I love theater, and I would take, which is interesting. What Team Convenience did it, but mm-hmm. I would take stage shows, uh, Canadian stage shows. One of them was called The Wild Guys. The other one was called uh, The Foursome about golf, and the other one was about these. Wild well, guys about these men who's going to a sensitivity weekend. I know that sounds an oxymoron, but uh, and the idea was we worked in a stage shows. And I toured uh, Wild Guys actually. We uh, yeah we toured all across Canada with that, and then I adapted it as a, a movie, and so we shot those two wow. movies. One was more more successful than the other. They were both good, but it did kind of realize that that the the, the feature film industry in Canada the business model doesn't work, it Stiff. really doesn't. It just, you know what, it just, you can you can take a look at the top Canadian shows and feature film, uh, we know all the festivals in Canada and you never see them again. Now, the business model of a TV series is, is different. It, it certainly works in Canada and uh, and has been very successful. But then I was a little, I guess, a little burned out by then and I got great opportunity where a friend of mine who was in the film industry said, Oh, do you want to come and teach a class at a university? And I went, oh, I mean, you know, I said, I don't have a master's, right? I just got like a junior matric from high school. He said, no, don't worry. You're, you're. So I, I did it just to cover up, cut cover for some time. And then it, enjoyed it so much that uh, that now I'm, I'm a full-time professor at, a, at the Capilano University in wow, the film. Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you, which is a scary thing. I'm sure the teachers from <laughs> high school would roll over. And they're great. But I, I love that. I love the energy. I have to... Uh, you know, it keeps me uh, keeps me focused and keeps me up with it the, with a the, with the new business and and I'm constantly still writing as well. I've got a couple I've got a couple pilots that are in development right now and uh, mm-hmm. but just the thing just the things that I want to do right mm-hmm. and uh, and you will find in life and here I'll I'll throw some stuff at you. If you search for things that you like doing that you enjoy doing that make you happy. The other stuff doesn't make any difference. It will work out. It will work out the things that you want to do. And from, you know, reading about what you're doing, I mean, you you have that history in, in, in radio and now you're getting a chance to do it. You're doing yes. some other things, you know, you're doing mm-hmm. that sports thing as well. Plus you're getting to, um, you know, you 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 know the business, like I've always had to embrace the business part about it. You know, you're talking about you were involved in DVD authoring. And I remember trying to take a course in that. Because, and then you go, wow, is DVDs over? I always thought DVDs were history now, except there's the legacy DVDs. Well, you can know from our site. Honestly, if I see, if we put out a DVD version, a oh, legacy definitely. version of Beach people, people would buy it. And you go, wow. And it's because my son's a big DVD person or Blu-ray, mm-hmm. or he they want they want to be able to look on that shelf and see it.
1: I mean, it's great to have me, yes.
0: You know, and, and I, I, I don't. But he does, I mean, his collection of DVDs and whatever, and again, embracing that, the technology. uh, And uh, uh, I I, I envision, and I remember thinking, and it was a question I was going to ask you about, I remember, I think Amazon was going to do a DVD direct thing, meaning that the idea was you'd have a, like CBC does, have a huge you know, uh, hardware of, uh, of a uh, digitized copies of these things. And if you wanted a copy, you press a button and it just zzz, fires off one. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I was, cause someone told me one time, most of the expense in doing a DVD, cause I looked at it for the beachcomber they said is obviously the authoring, but then it's the packaging. They said, in fact, that the packaging and all those other things cost more than, than producing the actual DVD, but it's the uh, printing and whatever. So, um, I don't know what people do to me. I mean, I've got six or seven external drives backed up on on the things that I have done. I'm doing a thing for the National Archives about the beachcombers. Um, and that's an interesting thing too, but you, you have a show and and it's like the other things that you like as well. Mm-hmm. You have all this. One of the also reasons I have this crazy picture behind me is that if you looked in the back of my little house, I got this little house behind my house and it is oh probably a hundred boxes of, of stuff of basically Beachcomber stuff and, and everything wow. like most of the, most of the scripts, so National Archives wanted them all, which is great. Thank you very mm-hmm. much, going, They'll sit in Ottawa. No offense to Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. One
1: hundred percent. I know one
0: hundred percent. you you'd you get the white gloves and be able to yeah. go through. But I'm thinking, I said, well, why wouldn't you digitize it? Wow, we're backed up a bit. And I went. So I in fact am trying to do that. In fact, digitizing that whole the history that I have from the show and press clips and all in little quirky mm-hmm. things, you know, outtakes and stuff. So I hope to have that done by the 50th because that way you would hope if the archives will go for it, it's not just for a trip to Ottawa, it's on their website that people could in fact mm-hmm. go and uh, and have the history of the show and it's searchable and uh, and all those, uh, all those uh, things. Definitely. And as you know, from the Beachcomber Facebook site, people have, oh, do you remember this episode? My brother-in-law, I remember. And honest to God, we've got some fans that their mm-hmm. memories are better than mine they'll say okay do you remember that show and i'm going oh no and then i look and i was in it <laughs> You know, one of them, the other day someone said oh you do that I went, oh yeah right i did that show i can't remember but they they remembered it and uh, we got a fan in edmonton phil who's who used to come home when it was stripped in the afternoon and that's a great thing for a network to run the show after school and stuff mm-hmm. five days a week and he'd make little notes on the show what that show was today he'd write down it. and uh, and anytime I needed any information I would just uh, I would just ask him and he would uh, he would know it all. the fans seem to know it all.
1: there's some shows where even the the fans archiving material from it are even more plentiful of knowledge than the actual distributors and the people who own it themselves so it's quite oh, dumb. No, true that is
0: true yeah the distributors yeah that's uh, that's an, another
1: story. But as, and this is, I've, I've, I kind of preluded to this before, but, uh, as, as we've kind of touched on a little bit, this, uh, next year, uh, 2022 is going to be the 50th anniversary of, uh, the Beachcombers' original premiere on, uh, television. That's going to be, as you mentioned, around September, um, October. And, um, it's such a huge, um, achievement not only for for television but for canadian television and um it's is a thing i've always wanted to touch on and i think a lot of people if, if you've been in that the the cbc or not excuse me the beachcombers facebook group that's not associated with the cbc there's been so many people who have and as we mentioned before who've said They want to see the older shows, the original shows uh, from the 70s, from the 80s. And you can get, you can find some of them on YouTube of of the later seasons of the 80s and the 90s, but not obviously not a complete set. These are people's copies that they taped off of APTN and they taped off Sun TV and then they've put online. But there's never, in fact, well, there actually has been, I'll, I'll have to get to it. There's never been an, in canada an official release of the television show there's been um cbc back in 2012 put one episode on their website which is probably the first time the show was ever streamed and then in i think actually last year um in the states they got it on amazon prime but it's 13 episodes of uh of one of the 80s seasons and it's i mean it's better than nothing it's i think it's technically the most that has ever been released digitally on a streaming service but of course in the states where i don't think it has as big of as a as, cast as big as a net but it's it's a bit upsetting as as you've mentioned kind of as as some, someone myself who's actually watched although those later ones on TV and is craved, if that's the correct term to use, to watch these older shows that the CBC has, they have them publicly listed in their archives. They say they have all 360 of them. And um, I wanted to particularly ask you, um, obviously being someone who's worked on the show, you've seen the demand, you've seen... Um, you you know that the CBC does have the power to do this. Um, they've they've said in the past um, people have contacted their their social medias and said can you put this on and they've said oh we don't own the rights can't do anything and they just leave it at that. Being someone who's who's um, I guess kind of one of the few pushing factors behind the the television show these days, what's it like for you seeing this and is there any hope for Beach Cobras fans? Can we see is there any chance we might see anything in the future?
0: Well, uh, I'll get get to that last question, which is probably mm-hmm. the most important question, in a second or two. I always find it quite ironic that the only <laughs> the only streaming of Beachcombers is, is by Prime in the states. Yes, I mean I, just uh, the mind boggles, and uh, it's funny because I was looking, I, went, mm, I think I'm supposed to get like three dollars for that, so I'm sure <laughs> the check is coming. But uh, yeah, it's it's something that that uh, that I've. I've been a little frustrated about obviously, and uh, and the fans. I to be honest, over the number of years, uh, I've probably been working on this since the year after we got off the air. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> but and got and got close a number of times. Uh, and and again, there's all sorts of urban myths about oh they've gotten rid of all the show. No, the CBC have done a great job. And a number of years ago, they were they were saying oh my god, they're getting rid of all the. Uh, of all the tapes, they're throwing everything out. Well, no, what they were doing is they were changing from one tape format to another. Mm-hmm. But I happened to be in Toronto, and uh, they were kind enough to invite me right down to the lockers. And uh, CBC actually have kept all the original 16 millimeter film of it. Oh wow! Now they've taken they've taken that 16, and 16 is great. It's kind of rich, and they've they've digitized it. So all <laughs> those shows are all digitized, are now. Uh, now they used to be on beta tapes but now they've digitized them and they're totally on, they're on files, right? And they're supposedly they have a, a system where they're, they're backed up. So they have that ability. Now, um, I had, I, maybe I shouldn't go there, but I did have someone who was a, a friend of mine who was on the Heritage Committee, a politician, and she was chatting to CBC and, and what she said, what should I ask him about the beachcombers? Cause she was a fan of the beachcombers. Mm. I said, well, okay, here's the question you asked CBC. Here's the answer. And then this is what it means. This is what the answer means, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and don't get me wrong. I'm a huge supporter of the CBC. Mm-hmm, I, 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 well, yeah, and and I, I I love it. I my something I've always hoped for, and it probably won't happen in my, in my lifetime, is that CBC becomes Canadian, meaning become yes. Canadian. I mean, we've got. I remember when they were having an argument, not an argument, a discussion with someone from the CBC in about 1980. At that time, there's four or five channels in Canada. I said, listen, there's like four or five channels. Can't one of them be Canadian? Can't you guys be totally Canadian? Well, it'd be pretty expensive. I said, well, you're, you're the money that you're going to buy foreign broadcasting with, that's my taxpayer's dollars. I take offense that you go and buying foreign broadcasting with it. So I said, you know, and now here we are with a million channel universe, mm-hmm. you know, and still we don't have one that's Canadian. But close and again see uh, got you know uh, uh, still standing one of my favorite shows I'm oh yeah kidding. if anyone anyone hasn't seen it trust me that's how I that's the most Canadian show I embrace that that show so much because I wrap myself in the flag. I'm sorry oh, yeah. I do right in front of me you will see this huge flag but I do um, but so that's my, I mean my CBC would be Canadian. My CBC would take their archives. And stream them not only on Jam Canada, but Jam International. Of Just like Brit Box is getting a chance, so we get to see those shows. Mm-hmm. We need to show our history to the world. Not only history; we can do it with our our everyday channels, right? We can do it with the new shows. CBC, if they would have negotiated probably Shits Creek differently and maybe paid them a bit more money, they probably could have retained streaming rights. For the world and partner mm-hmm. with that that's what you're going to see in the new world because mm-hmm. the business model has changed you don't have syndication anymore you have netflix and thank god we're going to see netflix and uh and the rest of the over the tops they call them the amazons and and all these other ones they're going to have to put something back into the uh into the pot the canadian media fund and support uh, canadian shows because as of now they've, they're broadcasters but without not not doing any of the of uh of the thing this is a sovereign nation the last time i checked right and you can't if you want a broadcaster in canada you should play by the rules and they're not playing by the rules but that's for a whole different discussion now mm-hmm. we'll move on to we'll move on to the beachcombers um cbc uh, you know they're they have the beachcombers they're in their basement of what they is. mean and it's easy to say well we don't have the rights but what that means is that's cbc for we'd have to pay for it yeah. Meaning, yep. meaning, what happens when you're an actor, and I'm an actor, when I did the Beachcomber, I signed a contract agreement between Actra and CBC. Davies would get paid X amount of money. I think it was $100 for the first episode. I mean, I, and I still have that check, believe it or not. Uh, uh, and then what happens then, that's for that one showing. If you want to show it again, you're making money, CBC, on advertising and other things. So I like to make a bit, and it's a small percentage. Mm-hmm. And I help negotiate the archival contract. And it's it's a very good deal for CBC. It's a fraction of what they would, it's a fraction of what they would have to pay if they repeated the show. If they repeated the show, Beachcombers, on a Thursday night, all these years later, they'd have to pay a percentage to the actors and the writers and the musicians, which is great because guess what? They're Canadian actors, musicians, and uh, and writers, mm. right? That's how we make our money. And you'd have to pay them a small, a small percentage. And it is a small percentage of it. Um, would it cost them because it's so much? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of shows. 365, right? So that's a lot of shows. It would probably cost them the amount of, of what it pays for them to do. Maybe four or five shows. Mm-hmm. So four or five shows of a CBC show now will get you 365 Beachcombers. Mm-hmm. So in their mind, do we spend the, the money on four or five shows, four or five episodes, not shows, episodes of a show, or do we show 365 of each one? Plus it's a lot of work, even though I told them I'd do the work for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do I think it's coming? I, I think something has to come. And that's why the, the, the 50th anniversary, I've been looking for this point for the longest time because I know as far as someone who's probably the only, one of the few champions uh, other than our fans of the show, Mm-hmm. Um, this is our last opportunity. Yes. Nothing, if it doesn't happen in the 50s, it's not going to happen, right? So I've got to find a way of uh, getting CBC interested in showing uh, some of the older episodes. And if that's not the case, and I did this a couple of years ago, I may have to go and uh, and and probably work with a private, a different broadcaster, mm-hmm. and then try to license it from CBC. Mm-hmm. I would rather it be on CBC to be totally honest, uh, because that's where it should be. Uh, but if it doesn't, uh, I, I will find a way, I will find a way to get those other episodes. So you're going to have a, being able to, uh, and I don't know if you've gone to, uh, I don't know if you've up, uh, he says a blatant plug for the book that is just, uh, we hope, hope, hope going back into print. It was a kind of a fun thing because you will go back and take a look at the episodes, but, uh, there, uh, as a part of the 50th, we'll go up and, 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 talk about all the episodes and, uh, and uh, w- you know, where they were that particular night in Canada. And I've done a couple things like that. I've done little tongue in cheek things about one, one, one called PAX, B-A-X. And it was about Canada's only nuclear submarine, atomic, that had an atomic weapon and then got, of course, grounded outside of Gibson's. And then the Americans were freaking out and they were we were thinking we were gonna get attacked by the Americans. So it, uh, you know, we did some kind of, uh, Another fun one of mine was a favorite one we're talking about later. Is we did an alien one, we did a two-parter. It was only because we overshot the first one so much. We went, oh my god, we got all this footage. What are we going to do? And someone said, well, we spent so much money, why don't we make it a two-parter? So you know, Nick Nick becomes taken t- gets taken over by aliens. So it's uh, I mean, I remember my son looking at it going, what is this? This is beach Comers, and you get you got attacked by aliens. Oh, it was great. Yeah, so it was very eclectic, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm, and that's I see these episodes. You know, I get a chance because I, I have a collection of of, of most of them, mm-hmm. and it's so damn frustrating because you go, oh, that's so good. That's such a great story. That's so quirky. That's so fun. And and honestly, if you if you like the quirkiness, you know, of the corner gases, and and even to a certain degree of the of the Shits Creek, because it's just quirky people, you know, really dysfunctional people well honestly that uh, we were the we were the definition of that right and uh, course, yes. and that's why uh that's why in the bad, you know everybody loved relic everybody loved the uh, the bad the bad guy and uh i know it's fun
1: yeah it's 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 as as you said it's a bit it's frustrating though because kind of the response that they do give out is about about not having the rights is kind of you know you can kind of look at it and think well you know you Don't you think that if they didn't have the rights, like if it was something that they didn't own, you'd think that Canada's national broadcaster would have even a tiny legal department who would be researching these things uh, 24-7 and trying to track down because it's like the, the and you see, you see like situations and like even something that a a friend of mine was on the show uh, very early on, Brennan Carty discussed as someone who licenses out. Uh, rare movies. And he said that, you know, there are situations where, you know, you go to a rights holder and say, do you have this product? And they'll say, yes, we do own it. And then you'd find out that they don't own it. And then it'd be with that. But it's like, you would think that, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a bit, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's a frustrating thing, but it's, um, well, you, you
0: know, GLB, the ultimate is they put on during their, their celebration. Remember they had the contest. Oh yeah. They, they they had the rights to do that didn't they of course yes of course they did yeah all they did was was pay the actors the writers and the musicians and again we're not talking we're talking a fraction a fraction of what you cost and the beauty is that is what cbc does now uh, they're not, actually they they still get the billion dollars from the government right which mm-hmm. you know for broadcast but what they do now is they leverage that meaning they go to the go to the producers of shit's creek and say now they don't have to pay like beachcombers, they pay for the whole show, right? Because mm-hmm. they owned it. They don't pay for all of Shits Creek. They give them how this works is they give them a licensing fee. And then the producers of Shits Creek go and get tax credits. They go Canadian media fund. They get other you know, federal taxpayers money to leverage that licensing fee into, and then they pre-sell some of the other shows. So that's mm-hmm. how it goes, right? So they uh, CBC pays X amount of dollars and uh, now CBC doesn't share in anything else down the road. And that's they were a little upset with that, but they just paid a part. So now what happens is they're, it's very smart of them. They're getting federal government money from the CBC, you know, for the CBC, plus they're mm-hmm. a- accessing all these other funds. So, um, you know, it's a good business model. What they, but, but what they would do in that particular case is they pay that X amount of dollars to that producer and that goes to the production or whatever. In our particular case, if you're rerunning any show from their incredible archives, mm-hmm. King of Kensington or anything, that money doesn't go to, to producers or anything else. All that money goes directly to the talent, mm-hmm. directly to the people who made it, the actors, the musicians, you know, and, and the writers. And what better... I guess, celebration of Canadian talent are for people like the writers of The Beachcombers who are Canadian and they stayed here. And they, you know, uh, even though our, our showrunner the last year, you know, Hart Hansen did okay down in the States with Bones, uh, 12 years in the, in the States, he's got, you know, he's a great guy, great guy. He did, I did give him trouble once cause he wrote an episode of The Beachcombers where he had one of the kid call me bum chin uh, and, uh, and I gave him total grief. It was very funny, but I didn't let them know. It. Yeah, so it's a it's a crazy thing. It has to be, you know. I just have to make someone make them want to do it, uh, mm-hmm. and and they have to take a look upon it as a business. They're going to have to say, you know, and I just, I, you know, what? I maybe I'm maybe I'm holding on to this too much, but man, I get upset if I look and see foreign broadcasting on CBC. Yeah. I'm going. I'd love to be able to find out how much they spend on foreign broadcasting and say, you know what. If you do that in Canada, the people, the actors, they pay taxes, and that, in fact, will go back to help sub- subsidize the CBC. Yeah. If you buy something from, from from the states or England or wherever, right? Uh, and you know what? I can get all those other shows on, from England. I can get those on on five or six other channels. Of course, I want to get I want to get stuff that I can't get anywhere else on the CBC. And Gem's a perfect perfect place to have it
1: course and it's 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 odd definitely to think i will give them credit it's they they used to i noticed that they used to import a lot of american stuff it seems now it's the british and australia that they're getting a lot of content from but i remember i had i had a uh I had a moment that I I was just, I was just flipping through um, the content. I was just waiting. And it's like, this is, this is almost all of this is British stuff. And it's like, and you know, like you mentioned, there's BritBox. So it's like if, if somebody, and there is, there is a luxury of kind of, you know, turning on the TV and just watching something live rather than specifically finding a show to stream. But there comes a point when it's a bit excessive. Like I'd, I'd understand putting the British stuff on if there wasn't a streaming service. Like if this was, if this was like 2007 or something, Something and like you couldn't stream things online and you know and it was hard to get this stuff but i think now especially when we're in the age of the cbc um is digital as well you can through gem you can watch a live feed of the cbc channel of any region of cbc like you're in vancouver you can watch my ottawa stream and i'm in ottawa i can watch the vancouver screen stream if i wanted to so it's it's again like you said it's 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 disappointing as a viewer too not to not to say that the programming's bad like i mean it's 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 pretty okay most of it's pretty i haven't watched all of it so i can't really put a statement on that but it's it's definitely sad to to see like how much they could, because, like as you mentioned, you know, the fee that they could have taken to license that out, they could have just taken something from the basement there. But um, it's it's really it's a, it's it's a huge uh, it's a bit of a letdown. But hopefully, it leads to to something good in the future. Like you know,
0: yeah, let's let's hope it's our fiftieth beaches, but it's also CBC's seventieth. So maybe I can sell them. I'm I'm, I'm listen. I'm uh, I'm pulling out all stops. Uh, over the next three months or something to get uh to get uh to get them on side and i've got you know what i've got certainly i've got bc government on side Mm -hmm. i mean we've got an mla from the gibson's area who actually got up and gave a speech uh, in parliament about it and uh and uh, i've talked to the premier i've talked to the uh the head of tourism uh they're all over this because we want to invite we want to invite the world to gibson's there's that mm-hmm. great picture on molly's which says welcome home well oh yeah uh we uh there would be all sorts of things we're you know we're working on getting the persephone fixed up and we're hoping to track down the jet mode and uh, and there'd be other things and the beauty is you walk around gibson's you're walking around
1: history of course you're in the it's like you're in the show you're in the set yeah you're in the set it's just like and it's uh, it's it's amazing again. I want to I'm 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 hoping I want to make that pilgrimage down there sometimes because it's just such a beautiful so picturesque of uh, of uh, of a town but absolutely well, I'll wonderful.
0: Uh, I'll I'll meet you there and we'll take you down to Molly's Reach and have a Persephone beer.
1: Definitely. I am w- 100% down for that. That sounds fantastic. Take a ride in the Persephone afterwards.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Fun. Um now kind of to end it off. So as, as you mentioned before, just on a, on a, so you're working, you were said, you're writing a few pilots now, um, I guess uh, again, working with the beachcombers content. So that's, I, I, what's um, what's, I guess that's the big thing that um, Jackson Davies is working on at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's, that's basically it. I'm uh, uh, my agent hates me because I don't go out for anything anymore. If, if, if something interesting came up, but I, I mean, i I've, I've I've done a lot of that stuff, right? I mean, I've done mm-hmm. episodic, I've done all those things. I enjoyed them, right? They pay, you know, they 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 paid, you know, pretty well. But I I want to do things that I really love to do. And I, and I love writing and I love being creative. So, uh, that that part is uh, that 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 is where my focus is right now in the teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying that. And plus, like I said, I've, I i used to make fun of people who are grandparents, that who are the uber grandparents. But uh, but now I've got uh, the twin boys that uh, uh, I can look forward to not getting a night's sleep when we take them for a sleepover. Uh, uh, that's kind of fun. Who knows? I may Wonderful. write a series for twins. You know? Who knows?
1: Could be down the pipeline. Yeah. Oh, no, sure. Anyway, that it's it's been fantastic to have you on to to just such an iconic actor and not just an actor but a canadian actor is that just uh and someone who of course as you mentioned before supporting canadian actors and canadian film and tv which is fantastic it's something i'm all about too you know it's great to have some canadian content out there and it's fantastic to have you on the show it's absolute pleasure uh, anything you want to say before we end off no, I just
0: uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. And it's so great to see someone uh, of, a, of a younger vintage who uh, embraces the history of, uh, of Canadian television. And it's a, it's a
1: spectacular history. Thank you. Well, I just thank you again for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure and just just an honor to, to have you here. And hopefully, hey, what maybe we'll do an episode next year around this time anticipation for the 50th.
0: Absolutely. Then, then, and and then, when we get to the fifty, you can do a live one from the Molly's Reach or something overlooking the water.
1: I would love that. That sounds fantastic. Anyway, thank you again. I guess that's it for the Geo Show. Find us on all the social media platforms. I'm GOP. That was Jackson Davies. Thank you for listening. The Geo
0: Show.
1: Geo Show. The Geo Show. The Geo Show. And if you're looking for a good, hands-off coffee experience in the Ottawa area, look no further than the Daily Grind Coffee Company. All their brews are made by machine, no human contact. Since 2018, Daily Grind Coffee Company has been providing Starbucks-quality coffee at a Tim Hortons price. Find them online at thedailygrindcoffeecompany.ca.